Well, that's the workhorse of the storage system right now. And one of the most interesting features of this station is we're nimble. We're able to start within 15 minutes. That's faster than any gas facility and definitely faster than a coal facility. This is Energy Cast, and I'm Jay Downhower. Today we're talking about pumped hydro, one of the most proven storage technologies available and how it's being put to use at the largest facility of its kind. Virginia's Bath County Pump Storage Station is not only the largest pumped hydro facility, it's the largest storage facility on earth, giving it the title of the world's largest battery. And yours truly got a tour. So what is pumped storage? Quite simply, it's a hydroelectric facility where the water is pumped back up to the higher reservoir during low demand for electricity and then used during high demand like a conventional hydroelectric dam. The biggest difference is that a facility like this requires a lot more control, whereas a conventional dam has public access, boat docks, and fishermen milling around. This facility was closed to the public, and here's why. The lower reservoir is about 555 acres. When water is being pumped back up to the top, that water level drops about 65 feet. The upper reservoir covers about 265 acres. When it depletes into the lower reservoir, that level drops over 100 feet. This activity can happen daily. It would be too disruptive for public use, but that doesn't stop operators from helping the local trout population, as my guest discusses. Now, you may have caught episode 21 when I visited a hydroelectric dam that was about 130 megawatts. I thought that was pretty big for what it was, but Bath County is three thousand megawatts. It's the tenth largest power plant in the country. A lot of nuclear plants aren't that big. That's also a third more power than Hoover Dam produces. But it's so inconspicuous you'd never notice you were close to a power producing juggernaut. Before the interview, my guests drove us around the place. We saw the lower reservoir first, which looked like a typical tranquil lake. I was told that they keep tight controls on the water supply. There's always a conservation pool. That's the water that doesn't get used. The two lakes never empty completely out, and that conservation pool is important for the fish I mentioned. What matters is the power pool, the volume of water that's being shuttled up and down to store and generate energy. On a cool spring day like the one when I visited, only a few of the six turbines were running. But when it gets hot, my guest says they can generate those three gigawatts of power for up to 10 hours. That's 13 million gallons a minute. And those turbines are so powerful, they can pump all that water back up the mountain almost as fast. After visiting the upper reservoir, we made our way into the main facility and then took an elevator down about a dozen floors or so to get a closer look at those turbines. The only thing keeping an entire lake from flooding the lower facility were six giant ball valves that open depending on which turbines are activated. I got a great shot of one that was open for maintenance. It was an incredible tour that the podcast format just really can't do proper justice. But this is a technology that is probably the most crucial for our energy future. 
My guest today is Sean Fridley, station director for the Bath County Pump Storage Station owned and operated by Dominion Energy. Bath has been operating since 1985, which probably makes it one of the youngest hydroelectric plants in the country. The plant I visited in episode 21 was celebrating its 100th anniversary. Turns out the technology has progressed over the years. Bath County serves the PJM Interconnection, which is a regional transmission organization serving 13 states, including D.C. In some places, the station is as close as a mile from the West Virginia border. Sean told me while we were driving around that he'd also served as director of at least one coal plant earlier in his career, and this assignment has been truly rewarding. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Sean Fridley. We're here with Sean Fridley, station director of the Bath County Pump Storage Station with Dominion Energy. And Sean, most people think you'd only need pump storage to help regulate the supply of renewables. I think we hear a lot about that these days. But this facility has been operational since 1985. Renewables weren't such a big deal back then. What purpose did it serve then? And what purpose are you certainly serving today? Well, that's a pretty good question. Back in 1985, the reason that companies all over the United States were looking at pump storage was due to trying to keep base-loaded units at full load, reduce the energy cost, and stabilize the power grid. That's still what we do today. We started pumping with renewables. We're not really certain what level we're using because we pull all of our energy from the PJM power pool. But as far as the renewables today, it's a small amount of what we're actually doing because we're still utilized for grid storage. We're still utilized for grid stability, and we're still trying to keep a lot of the base-load units at full load, which further reduces the customer's energy bill. Mm-hmm. This facility is accurately called the world's largest battery. Is there something unique about this location that made that possible? The technical term for battery is chemical storage. We're potential energy storage, but we love the term battery or clock, winding the clock up. And to make this viable, you have to have two large reservoirs that are a significant height apart vertically and in close proximity. And here in Western Virginia, it's just perfect for that. We've got a can Canyon Valley and Little Back Creek, then the other Canyon Valley right where we're at right now in Back Creek within close proximity, but we've got about 1,200 foot of head differential between the two. Mm-hmm. So the head the head height. Head height, that's the, <laughs> yeah, the difference the in elevation. The head really made yes. the big difference there, right? I asked a lot of guests, at the end of every interview, I'll usually do a lightning round and I'll go through all the different families of energy technologies. We get to hydroelectric. One of the things that always surprises me is when people say, well, hydroelectric's all done. We're completely done with it, but there's been several statistics that show that there's a lot of existing dams out there that are not yet electrified. Do you think it's true that we could electrify more dams out there and tap into conventional hydroelectric? What's your thought on Well, I've seen some data on that. The Army Corps of Engineers has some really good information out on their website with this, but if you look at the existing dams that we have out there, it's usually just small turbine applications that you can actually make a retrofit on these. Our back creek empties into Lake Moomaw and the gas right dam controlled by the Army Corps of Engineers and they've got a study to do a facility upgrade there to produce power. It's extremely expensive. You have electrical infrastructure that you have to put in and the turbine facility that they were looking at putting in is in my understanding only about a megawatt. So it's tiny mm-hmm. improvements that they can do here. It is feasible if you compare that to maybe a solar offset where you're taking up 10 acres to make one megawatt. Maybe that would be a good trade-off to look at this. Have you heard about any potential for a conventional 
traditional hydroelectric dam to retrofit to pump storage like this, or are we just uniquely blessed with two reservoirs of different heights that are just close? And Well, in well. Bath County, we're very unique, but yeah. you can definitely do this at other facilities. Anywhere that you have a river, there's several of the units out there that utilize the lower reservoir as a river. And then if you look at the Great Lakes or off the coast, there's almost an infinite number of places all over the world that you could build. Taiwan and Japan have got some really big facilities over there that utilize the ocean as being the lower reservoir. So as we're hearing more about renewables, and look, I think that the only way to really get renewable penetration and big chunks of the supply with renewables would be to have large scale storage like this. Do you think that a lot of conventional hydroelectric, the ones that are out there may consider retrofitting to pump storage to be a little bit more part of the solution there? I think that would be a very good study for somebody to look at, sure. uh, Army Corps in particular, Department of Energy. How is this facility typically used? Because you can pay out over a long time, you can engage all your turbines at once. I mean, one of the things I thought was very surprising was that this facility is built with a capacity up to three gigawatts, making it the 10th largest power facility on its own. That's incredible. Nuclear plants aren't that big. But are you normally engaging that kind of power? What's typically the profile? Well, there? we change over the year. And during months like this where it's seasonal, we have shorter runs and we're filling in for units that maybe were scheduled but were unavailable for whatever the reason due to maintenance issues. And in the peak summer time is when you'll actually see us running all six units at full load. Mm -hmm. We can go up to about 10 hours at this full capacity. And in the wintertime, we will utilize full capacity on this as well. Help us kind of understand, because I've talked to some people, say, in Texas, and they have a ton of renewables out there, a lot of wind farms. They're growing with solar. They're playing the accordion with the renewables out there. Is that typically what you guys are doing? Are we still serving the original purpose, which was to keep base load going steady and serving as the accordion there? Well, Beth's mission is still primarily to serve the base load and regulate that. But as more and more renewables come online, that is definitely going to change us. Wind, and again, this is part of the PJM network. And if you're looking at making a pot of stew, you've got different vegetables that go in there. One's coal, one's nuclear, one's gas. You don't really know what you're dipping out to pump Bath County, but we assume that as more and more renewables come on, we're using that to pump with. One of the questions I got asked was, are you guys being dependent on, you talked about the summer. Let's talk a little bit about the winter. We're in that part of the country where do have extreme weather events like that. Has this facility come through in those situations? Oh, absolutely. It comes through stellar. One of the most interesting features of this station is we're nimble. We're able to start within 15 minutes. Yep. That's faster than any gas facility and definitely faster than a coal facility. So just that ability to get online quickly, that's one of the strengths of Bath County, the design of that. Yeah. As renewables are coming on, are you seeing the facility come on in more fits and starts? Do you see that ultimately happening? That's a hypothetical and yeah. yes, I see that happening at some point, but we're not seeing that right now. Not right yeah. now. What considerations do you need to make regarding the ecosystem surrounding the facility? And this is a question for the guys when they were first doing this, what was it, 85? So we're almost 35-year-old facility. I read that you have a fishing habitat here. I wrote this question before I realized that you've gated off the facility. People can't we jet have, ski yes. and fish in the two zones. But what are some interesting environmental considerations that you guys have made? I think you said you also were trying to put goats and use this for its natural surroundings as much as possible. What are some of the efforts you guys have done, like fishing habitats? With the fishing habitat, of course, on the lower reservoir, we've got Back Creek, and that's a substantial trout stream in the state of Virginia. And we maintain a conservation pool, which is a body of water that we regulate and maintain the fish 
fishing habitat downstream of the dam. So during periods of drought, we're able to release this water and keep the flow up, and that maintains the fish habitat down. Right. So I guess wild fish can't pass from the high level to the bottom level, right? Fish aren't passing between. We don't there. think so. No, you don't yeah. think so. Yeah, they probably get you. Well, yeah. I mean, one of the things I was wondering is like, do they have rapids or something that they do? <laughs> We've discussed the storage technology in the past on this program, but I wanted to help listeners understand why there's a need for it. And maybe this is a little bit different. One of our guests we had in Texas was a merchant power facility that was playing with the wholesale markets. Why is it profitable to pump and store energy and then use it later in the day at this level, at Dominion's level? Power prices in the PJM region go down at night and you've got the ability to keep some of your base load up as you're pumping at full load. So there's savings there at each one of the utilities that provide into the PJM pool. Do you get visitors from abroad to discuss how they can replicate a facility like this where they operate? We were driving around, you talked about China going off like gangbusters. I'm sure everywhere in the world, Europe and South America and everywhere. Do you get visitors like that? We do. We had some folks come in from Switzerland a few years back, China. We do get a lot of visitors at Bath County. We're the station to look at. Are there any plans for an expansion coupling this facility with other generation or storage technologies, anything? There's things we're always looking at, but yeah. nothing that's viable right now. Right. And some of those international visits, they didn't get discouraged by like, oh, we don't have geology like this. Was there anything that they had as takeaways, you think? Well, with the Swiss concern, it was interesting because I believe it was seven power pools, and of course they're in the Alps. The heads that are developed on that is very significant, just thousands of feet on each one of those. Very interesting. Do you see yourself Dominion or you guys going and serving as consultants on that? Oh, I think we could. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'd be up for that, right? <laughs> so, Sean, I'm going to finish with a lightning round of your thoughts on different energy technologies, starting with natural gas. That's an excellent stopgap as far as trying to get to lower carbon emissions. And I think that's going to be the backbone of the system for quite a while here. Crude oil. That's a system that it's probably better over in the transportation side than it is in the energy side right now. Nuclear. One of the foundations and something we need to embrace here in this country. Absolutely. Coal. It's been the backbone of the system for over 100 years. And you also spent some time in your career earlier doing Absolutely. Coal, right? That's yeah. right. Wind. Wind is an excellent renewable. We're searching offshore for our potential here at Dominion. One of the first offshores on the East Coast. In the federal waters, solar. Solar is growing. We need to figure out how to get more megawatts per acre than what we've got right now. It's going to be one of the significant supplies for us in the future. And Dominion, I'm sure, is expanding their footprint, right? Yes, we are. Biofuels. That's interesting. That's always part of the mix. Okay, we'll split these up. Conventional hydroelectric. <laughs> okay, that's always got its place. In the 1940s, it was my understanding that that was the backbone of the system. Right. And then pumped storage hydroelectric. Well, that's the workhorse of the storage system right now. And our main competitor is lithium batteries. Most of that is theoretical right now at this standpoint. We've got different things out there that is really just in the experimental phase. But pump storage is definitely the workhorse of storage in this country. Geothermal. That has got some excellent prospects in this country. And I think we need to look at the folks in Iceland for what they are doing there. <laughs> you're hydroelectric and you're also energy storage. Other energy storage. Also, what is Dominion thinking about as far as energy storage as well? We're in the infancy of energy storage and we just have to push and continue pushing on this to get it to the next level. Electric vehicles. We love electric vehicles. Well, yeah, I think that as a utility, you probably would want to see a little bit more of that, right? And I think that's going to be the wave of the future, but the technology is not completely there yet. And yeah. if you charge up a Tesla, you're using PJM up in this area. So what is supplying that battery? Energy efficiency. That's on the top of the list. That's been at the top of 
list forever. Trying to make everything more efficient the next day from where it was the previous day. Yeah. And then finally, Fusion Power. No comment. <laughs> I think a lot of people is new for them. Sean Fridley, Dominion Energy, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That was Sean Fridley, station director for the Bath County Pump Storage Station with Dominion Energy. I was also told that when the station was first built, the creeks below were engineered as a trout habitat. And while they expect renewables to make up a larger part of the mix coming in, on that spring day, it stood at 25 coal, 30 gas, and the rest mainly nuclear. Dominion also says they are looking into a sister pump storage facility in southwest Virginia in the 800 megawatt range. I want to thank Dan Janess with Dominion Energy for setting this up. You can find plenty of pictures from my visit to Bath County on energy-cast.com as well as on Instagram at Host Energy. All guests are sent the raw and completed audio the week of release. So far, no complaints. Be sure to leave us a positive review on iTunes. That gets the word out. Music was produced by Sean Stroop at Stroop Loops. That wraps up episode 60. Hopefully a worthy episode for another big milestone. Be sure to join us next week when we meet an energy startup exploring generating hydropower from the clouds. You won't want to miss it. Until then, I'm Jay Dauenhauer. We'll see you next time.